was a deliciously perverse way of paying it forward. Be careful what you wish for, fools. Curling herself into a little ball on the chair, at 5'2", this wasn't hard, Max mused to Molly, I figured that living with a guy as famous as Brick Berlin would give you an ironclad poker face. Yeah, but my dad doesn't usually woo people at the breakfast table. Thank God, Molly said, pulling her hair into a ponytail. But I'm still totally awkward whenever somebody famous comes for dinner. You saw me after Robert Downey Jr. brought over that Iron Man bunt cake. I went catatonic. Complicating Max's pro-gawking worldview was the fact that Molly, Max's best friend since the fall, was the until-recently secret daughter of the world's biggest movie star, both professionally and physically. Brick's biceps were like pythons. But Molly was different. She hadn't even known about Brick until last summer, right before she moved to California from Indiana. Even then, she never courted notoriety. And so, other than a few accidental incidents after she'd arrived, for the most part, it didn't court her. Whereas people like the Pacino of Pooches over there went begging, it was a clear distinction. We might have to make this harder, like force you to keep a straight face while standing on your head or something, Molly said, watching the couple take photos of themselves, sipping from the same latte. What is this, fifteen straight wins? Sixteen, Max corrected her. If this were an Olympic sport, I'd be on a Wheaties box. Yes, you'd be the Michael Phelps of eavesdropping. The endorsement deals would definitely solve some of my problems, Max sighed. Sometimes, Max thought Molly had invented this game as a way of springing for breakfast without getting Max up in arms about accepting charity. Max appreciated the gesture too much to fight it. Plus, Molly's Brick Berlin-funded black Amex was easily up to the task of weekly $11 coffee and pastry jaunts, whereas Max's bank account contained a whopping $86 and change. L.A. was not the best city to live in with parents who believed in self-sufficiency and the value of menial labor. But what Max never told Molly was that their game mostly functioned for her as a small daily affirmation— It was exhausting and a tad demoralizing living in a place where every third person thought he or she was the next big talent and thus ignored you if you didn't look like you could buy a screenplay, buy their screenplay, and or make them a star. Nobody ever confused Max McCormick with her neon bob and wardrobe occasionally held together by safety pins for a somebody So these eavesdropping sessions were a pleasant reminder that no matter how bored or poor Max was, or how much she dreaded going to school and hearing her classmates weep that life without the latest Louis Vuitton simply wasn't worth living, things could always be worse. She could be that girl, writhing on some guy's lap just because he had three platinum records. Seeing the stereotype in action was so unappealing that Max felt like the universe was validating her efforts to remain as disengaged from her schoolmates and surroundings as possible. The prospect of an entire summer away from the ridiculousness of Los Angeles 
was the only thing keeping Max sane. NYU, 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 she repeated to herself, like a mantra. You're going to shred that thing before you even fill it out, Molly said, interrupting her train of thought. Max looked down at the notebook propped up on her lap. The corner of a loose page was poking out, and she'd been absentmindedly fiddling with it so intently that it had practically disintegrated. If I ever fill it out, Max said, sighing. My writing sample is currently a three-word essay that says NYU writing sample. Give it time, Molly said, looking sympathetic. Writer's block can't last forever, right? I guess we'll find out. Max fished around in her bag for a pen, then wrote, McCormick, Maxine, E. There. If this were the SATs, I'd be halfway.